podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket with me, Simon Hughes. And me, Simon Mann. This podcast in association with TNT Sports, who of course have the exclusive rights to this fascinating India-England series. Ben Stokes said after that massive loss in Rajkut, well, we'll win the series 3-2. And everyone poo-pooed that. But England are actually in an incredibly good position after two days in Ranchi to actually make it 2-2 at least. With a 134-run lead and two young spinners dominating, but two young spinners from England, not India. What about that? Yeah, fabulous day for Shoah Bashir. Didn't start particularly well for him, and we'll come on to that in just a moment. But he bowled really well, didn't he? With great control, picked up wickets, and England are in a decent position at the close of play. Not necessarily a winning position because you, know, you can see a potential threat from India down the line. And I thought it was an excellent partnership between Jarrell and Coolleep just to keep them, their team in the game. Just anyway, uh, a big lead at the moment, one, three, four, but India still got three wickets in hand and they've got some class spinners and the pitches. Wow, we'll talk about the pitch as well. It's a strange old surface, but Bashir with four wickets. The first time he's ever taken four wickets in a first-class innings. He's done it in his second test match, and Tom Hartley as well, steady, picking up a couple of wickets in England, just chip, chip, chipping away, Yoz. Yeah, and, and actually, I thought Joe Bashir totally deserved his, his four wickets. Obviously, the pitch is playing into his favour. It's keeping very low. Uh, as we said yesterday, you've got to bowl those low balls straight. And he did, three times. So he's got a bowled and two LBWs. And I, I just think he's a revelation how well he's bowled. Uh, we'll talk about England's, well, the county game or the domestic game's inability to recognise the potential of young spinners. Uh, but I just thought he defied any expectations today. He was so accurate. He bowled, I think... 32 overs with only a, a brief break. So all uh, he bowled from one end exclusively after lunch for the whole session and not surprisingly had a bit of cramp towards the end of the game, the end of the day's play. But I thought he kept his uh, control, his countenance, uh, his optimism going superbly throughout. And apart from one magnificent straight six by... Jaiswell early on when he was bowling over the wicket to the left-hander, he hardly allowed a, a, an aggressive stroke. 32 overs, 4 for 84. He bowled 31 overs in a row from one end, then a very short break and then bowled his 32nd from the other end. Andy Zaltzman has come up with this stat. It's the longest spell by an England bowler for 11 years since Graham Swan bowled what well, more overs than that in a test match against New Zealand at guess where bizarrely sort of counterintuitively Headingley you wouldn't think that would you but I mean the Headingley pitches have changed in character a little bit over the years anyway that happened in 2013 so yeah one of those sort of marathon spells kept on going I just wonder whether England might have changed the bowling towards the end it was difficult to tell I mean they did bring Jimmy Anderson back late for, for a little burst the light wasn't great today was it the lights were on for a, a large part it's actually like watching cricket at Headingley 
uh, with, the, with the lights on and overcast conditions. Uh, I suppose if you're in England... A player, bowler, whatever, you might have wanted some bright sunshine, wouldn't you? Just to bake that pitch out and just dry it even more. And so, you know, to try to create even more tricky conditions for the final innings of the Test match. What, what about the state of the game then, Yoz? England just working their way through. Where, where can it go from here? I, I mean, you can see a, a best case scenario, you can see a worst case scenario, and you can see sort of something in between. India battling hard. They don't give anything up, do they, easily? They're a bit like Australia, really fighting hard, and great credit to them uh, for that partnership between uh, Kuldeep and, and Jurel. But they are 134 runs behind. They do have to bat last. I mean, if I handed you now a lead for England on first innings of 70... Would you take that? Yes, obviously. Uh, batting last is going to be hard. But I said yesterday that the uh, the advantage uh, that, that India have is the potential to make 200 in the final innings against England's inexperienced spinners. Mm. I said that yesterday. I think the spinners have bowled so well today... But I wouldn't like India to be, for, if I was Indian, I wouldn't like them to be chasing more than 150 because those two spinners bowled very well, especially Bashir, bowled superbly and showed how they, they've got the ability and the control to exploit these conditions. They're not going to get any better. Every time the ball hits a crack, it rolls straight along the ground. So anything more than 150 to chase in the final innings will be extremely tough. The key wicket today was Rohit Sharma. Early on, Jimmy Anderson, brilliant, got him out with a conventional little bit of movement around a perfect length, around off stump. Because I think Sharma would have been a player who would have tried to dominate and would have got on top of the spinners and would have forced England to, you know, rotate back to their seams and so on. So, in a way, getting that early wicket opened the door for England to then exert pressure on, on the other batters. So, it's a long-winded way of saying... England need a lead of 200 totally, you know, after they've batted a second time, max at least 200 lead. Um, if they get a lead of 70 on first innings and then get between 150 and 200 in their second innings, then they should win, I would say. But if they concede a lead of less than 70 and then get bowled out for 140, which is definitely possible on this pitch then the game's in the balance. So, yeah, a lead of 70 and and then at least 150 to 200 second innings and then they should win. What do you mm. think? Well, I think best case scenario uh, tomorrow is England take the last three wickets for about 30 runs, something like that, have a 100-run first innings lead and then make 200 and set India 300. And that will be a really, really a tricky chase, you think, on that surface. You know, 300 in the final. I, I mean, I tend to sort of always err on the side of ruthlessness, like India did in the last game. You know, they set England 557 to win. They just kept on going. And they actually, there was a sort of a, you almost felt there was like a lesson being taught there. Right, we're going to really take you down. We got into a strong position and we're going to, we're going to absolutely smash you all over the park, get as many runs as possible. They didn't need 557. But they said, right, that's what we're going to get. You've talked to, you know, talked about chasing scores of 500, whatever. Yeah, okay, let's have a look at that. And just, I, and I would, I would, you know, from England's point of view, 
they would need, I think they need to go as, as big and as ruthless as they possibly can in, in the rest of this game. So, you know, not you know, not 200, not 240, but th their aim is a 300, minimum 300 lead for India to, to, you know, to try to win the game. No, I mean, sure, I agree, but I just think getting 200 in the third innings of the game is yeah. going to be damn hard with the excellence of the Indian spinners and the pitch as it is. The old ball is just skating straight along the ground, and if it does and it's straight, you're gone. Because mm. I don't know how you play that unless you get take out a much longer bat. And nobody's got, I don't think anybody's got, they've got lots of very, very thick bats, but nobody's got a longer bat in their in their bag, I don't think. Uh, so uh, that, that's the only way you can play those underground deliveries. So actually talking about ruthlessness, though, we should go back to the start of play, really, where mm. England uh, resumed with the potential for uh, a score of, well, even 400, I suppose, between 350 and 400 with seven wickets down, with Robinson looking pretty secure and obviously Joe Root at the other end, 106 not out. And although Robinson played well and he played some you know, positive shots, I thought, and I know you thought, that actually England should have got more in the end. They were bowled out for 353, but they lost their last three wickets in the space of about an over. And late leaving, Joe Root, marooned at the other end on 122 not out, whereas uh, the, the three batsmen who got out, although they were all tail-enders, all played pretty horrific shots, especially uh, uh, Ollie Robinson and, and Shoaib Bashir. And look, I you might say Shoaib Bashir, he's only a young chap, he's only playing in his seventh first-class game, but I'm sorry, that shot in particular, was terrible. Second ball to have a big wipe at Jadeja and sky it to backward point with Joe Root, 122 not out. If I'd done that uh, as a young player and gone back into the dressing room, I'd have been banished to the toilets for the rest of the uh, innings or, the you know, told, told to come and have naughty boy nets or, I don't know, find or something because it, it was just un unforgivable, actually. Just brainless, really. Yeah, it was an extraordinary shot. I mean, the, the point about Basball is you're allowed to play a shot like that and get away with it, not be banished to the toilets or wherever or to naughty boy uh, nets. I mean, who, who would have said something to you? Gat would probably have said something to you, wouldn't he? When you came back, your, your captain then, if you played a uh, shot that like been, that? I mean, honestly, it would have been absolutely... In fact, I think that they would have been so shocked by that sort of lack of thought that they would have said anything. It would have just been, you would walk back. Because you know normally you go back to the dressing silence, room. Total silence, yeah. Dead silence, exactly. You would go yeah. back to the dressing room. It's horrible. Either, when you get back into the dressing room, you know, the dressing room is eternally supportive. So you either get back into the dressing room when they go, well played, a great effort. Or if you haven't succeeded, bad luck, well tried. But this would have been dead silence and just a few <laughs> stares and shaking of heads and kind of, oh my God. Yeah. Silence is almost worse, isn't it? Be it says a lot more, actually, than people saying something in a way. Yeah. Anyway, I suppose the one thing you say is, did he trust his defence enough against uh, Jadeja on that surface? I, perhaps that was the reason he, he played the shot. I mean, I thought Ollie Robinson's shot was a you know really high-risk stroke as well because he was playing so well. That was a fine innings by Robinson. He he batted superbly today, hit the first ball of the day for four, and that sort of set the tone, really, glanced one off Siraj down to the fine leg boundary. And then he played a whole series of... 
and strokes. A cut for four, charge down the pitch, uh, four more down the ground, then a lift over mid-on for four. I mean, there was yeah, there were some fine strokes. And he also swept Jadeja for four, got to 58. Because, I mean, India were looking to bowl more at him in a way than, than Joe Root. And then he played a reverse sweep at Jadeja. I don't know how much he practiced it. Perhaps he does practice it. Perhaps it is successful for him in the nets. But to me, it seemed like a high-risk shot in those circumstances, when you're playing so well. He was playing well, he trusted his defence, he defended well and he attacked well in an orthodox fashion. And it just feels, you know, be, uh, this whole thing about you know, being ruthless, you just try to really sort of n- try to nail down the game. I mean, it, suddenly it looked as though England could get 400. You think, wow. And then you, you gift, basically, you gift. Well, two wickets. Jimmy Anderson played a rather indeterminate little uh, sort of dab sweep shot as well and was LBW. And suddenly England lost three wickets for six runs. I mean, at the start of the day, they probably would have taken 3-5-3. If you'd offered 3-5-3, then they would have taken it. I think another 50 runs for those last three wickets. Uh, But it it felt as though it it could have been more. But, you know, in the game, totally in the game with 353 runs. So Yeah, I just hope they don't ruin that that sort of slight complacency at the end there because you definitely need to get the runs in the first innings on this pitch and 400 or 380 you know would have put England in such a strong position 350 still good still a very good score Mm. on this pitch but you know if India chip away at that first inning score themselves England will as, as the eighth wicket pair have done England will really rue that rather wanton loss of those last three wickets. I suppose it's the great thing about sport, isn't it? You, you you need people to make mistakes for excitement to happen and for the game to progress. If they don't, then you know it becomes a sort of perfect game, doesn't it? But yeah, sometimes you just you you feel you've got to take the right decision. The amazing thing was Ollie Robinson actually reviewed his, didn't he? He reviewed his caught behind. And then there it was, the little glove through shown by the, the technology. Uh, anyway, Sometimes you was, don't feel those on the gloves, but um, yeah. I, I'm not convinced with him. I, thought he, <laughs> I think he just thought he might get away with it and very rarely do you. Mm. Well, he played. He played superbly. It was a fine innings. It really was. I mean, it seems a bit harsh in a way to sort of say, well, "Why did you play that shot?" Because he played a whole series of, of excellent strokes. But you know, I, I don't know. I think top level international sport, well, any, any uh, high quality sport, it can't, you know, is about ruthlessness. And perhaps the England just weren't quite ruthless enough at the end there. I saw Joe Root in his post match interview said he and Ollie Robinson alluded to it uh, as well, saying, "I was thinking about reverse scooping to bring up my hundred. But in the end, I just went for the you know, extra cover drive or the the drive through wide mid off. I think Joe, I think that was a sensible uh, decision <laughs> because it was a beautiful hundred and a beautiful stroke as well to get there. As was the shot he played at the magnificent pull shot for four to bring up England's one hundred stand. So it, it was it was a day of eighth wicket stands today. 102 for England for the eighth wicket. And we must also mention that LBW against Robinson yesterday. We did mention it on the podcast when he was on eight. He was out. India didn't have a review left. It was given not out. Big moment in the game, that. I mean, that might prove to be a, a huge moment in the in the final analysis of the game. And, and perhaps, you know, England were a bit testy about technology, etc. after the last game. But I think things have... You know, the sort of decisions have gone their way a bit today. And there were three umpires' calls that went their way, uh, for example. And there was that one yesterday where Robinson was given not out and the technology showed he was out, but India did not have any uh, reviews left. So it's funny, isn't it, how it can turn around a little bit 
and that's the that's the great thing about having you know neutral umpires isn't it it's, it's just their judgment it's not questionable or he gave that because you know he's an indian umpire or an english umpire or whatever you just you just go with what is out there and they just do their best as, as best as they possibly can so this series as i said at the start is available on tnt sports and it's the exclusive home also of the UEFA Champions League, Europa League and Europa Conference League, as well as showing Premier League football and rugby, MotoGP, boxing, UFC, NBA, WWE, and you probably know the rest already. And the highlights of today's play are on TNT Sports today at 3.45pm. And of course, the, the start of play tomorrow live will be on from 3.30am if you and manage to wake up then. Or you can watch all the play by just uh, reviewing on the TNT Discovery Sports app as well, which is brilliant. As I said before, it's really good because you can just wind back to instance on the day's play and then go straight to live as well. So you can catch up very quickly. Stream TNT Sports on Discovery Plus or watch TNT Sports channels on EE, Sky and Virgin Media. A subscription is required. Aged 18 plus, TNCs apply. After the break, we'll look back at India's reply to England's 353. So India had a little spell before lunch. They batted for eight overs. They were 25 for one at the break. You described the dismissal of Rohit Sharma Anderson bowling just in the channel outside the Austin. Well, actually one thing I noticed that England just changed the field didn't they they brought a fielder over to the leg side backward a square and the, I think the theory being that Anderson could bowl straight at Rohit I don't know whether he was that just slightly befuddled his mind you know I think he was going to get a straight ball and actually Anderson just bowled one in the channel and he, and he groped at it slightly but he, I don't know, possibly probably did have to play at it and, and nicked it through a huge a bonus for England but then Yoz there was Jaiswal again uh, just just churning out a, a, another half century in, in beautiful style as well. He's such a stylish uh, player to watch. Magnificent series he's had having. And I suppose mm. England not, not quite got him out just in time, but that was a massive bonus uh, when they got rid of him. A delivery from Bashir that just kept a fraction low. He, 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 he sort of went off his stumps, didn't he, to try to force it. And it looked to me like he got a sort of bottom edge into the ground onto his stumps. Something like that, anyway, and just the you know the lowness of the pitch, perhaps his undoing. But of course, he had been out there for a long time. Well, I thought his innings was exquisite. I thought his uh, judgment of what to play, what to leave, how to play, uh, the shots that were on, the shots that uh, perhaps he would leave in in the the locker today, uh, were just absolutely exemplary. Uh, you know, the execution of the on drive off uh, Jimmy Anderson and the flick off his pads, the balance, uh, the poise, the uh, just the, 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 the timing, you know, it's, it's all just absolutely, I don't th- see, I don't know how you could improve on it. You know, I, he, he's the perfect batsman at the moment. Obviously, you know, in time, he will be tested in different conditions in, say, England and Australia. India, of course, touring Australia later in the year, and that'll be a completely different sort of challenge. But I was impressed by the way he handled, say, uh, Ollie Robinson today, uh, who actually bowled really well with a new ball, asked a question almost every delivery. Obviously not a great pace, but he's got that awkward bounce and immaculate control and a little bit of movement. And Jaisal was beaten one or two times, but 
generally he what he was very watchful uh, he occasionally he was given the opportunity to drive he took it but his defense was really sound his footwork absolutely perfect the timing of his movements and and just the balance and i, I mean he to me he's a better player than coley was at that age i mean i remember coley coming into the indian team and batting at number 6 when he was about 21 and he was more of a star fielder he was a, a you know brilliant backward point and you kind of noticed him for that more than anything else certainly more than his batting uh, i remember him playing in the first ever uh, t20 match the ipl game uh, at uh, bangalore and getting a single in that uh, extravaganza when Brendan McCullum got 150 odd not out and Coley was a, a you know a spectator in that game. Giswell at the same age is a better player than Coley was. You know he's just he's opening the batting for a start, so he's dealing with the the new ball and the demands of that, and he's just got such a range of strokes that you just wonder what he can achieve in the future because he's already and he's only about 50 short in this series, of scoring more runs than a, a player ever has against England in a series by an Indian. So India's list of uh, high scoring in series against England, Kohli leads it with about 596, 600 runs. No, sorry, Kohli leads it with about 665 in a series. Uh, but uh, Giles was only about 50 short of that, with still potentially three innings to go in this series. So he, he's potentially going to break so many records. And I, it, was, it was a big surprise when he was out, wasn't it? Mm. it yeah, it was, yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Sometimes the, the pressure builds, isn't it? India were under pressure, just enough in the pitch. And you, 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 sometimes you can't do it all yeah, off your own bat. And they're going to be, there'll be times when you, you, know, you, you can't quite get the 100, the 200 that your, your team needs. You can't drag them over the line like he's done so far in this series. There were, I, I think when he comes to England... He is going to be tested around his off stump. Uh, that is a way that England, I think, of well, I mean, and most batters are, aren't they? Let's face it. If you can get the ball to move just around off stump, it, you know, you're going to cause problems for any batter. Cody's come to England before and really struggled. Remember that Tory? He barely scored a run, and he after yeah, that he yeah. managed, managed to sort himself out. So I think that, that's going to be an issue uh, for Jaiswal. And England were so close actually to get him out on 40 when he did nick behind off uh, uh, Robinson. And Ben Folks behind the stumps claimed the catch. Now, there's been a lot of comment about this. Some people say, oh, that was clearly out. You know, the TV foreshortening. You know, I've seen polls and one of, them, one of the polls I saw said, you know, it was like 47.53 to, to not out. I didn't see how Joel Wilson could give that out to me. It just, it just was not, it just wasn't clear enough. Uh, it, did it bounce? possibly probably who who knows but i mean I, I think i wouldn't like to be condemned you know if you were on your trial for your life and that can you know that decision condemned you you're out i don't think i'd be very keen on that uh it, it may be that folks got his gloves under it but it, it looked as though some of the ball was just was touching the ground it's never easy on tv because of that foreshortening and i'm i'm actually a big fan of players being given out more than that they often are but on that one I don't know. It just to me, it just didn't look quite right, and I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. I, I, it was absolutely. Well, as soon as I saw it, I thought, there's no way Joel Wilson can give that out. Yeah, and I think that's fair enough. And uh, you know, wickets are so important in a Test match. Every wicket is a turning point, so you have to be a hundred percent sure that those are out. 
And uh, I think it was the right decision in the end. And you, you as the wicketkeeper, you can't really tell, can you? You've got those great big gloves on. You don't really know if you've got your fingers underneath it or not. It's easier to tell if you're the fielder. But even then, fielders are not always sure. Mm. Uh, they think they've caught it when actually the ball just touched the ground fractionally before they got their fingers underneath it. So, no, I think it's it, it was fair enough to give that not out. And you know, credit to England, I thought you know overall they, they stuck at it really well. So they eventually got, so after the wicket of Rohit Sharma, Shubman Gill played uh, another nice little cameo. But Bashir kept probing away uh, and he got him in the end with one that just turned a bit more than some of the others and pinned him LBW. Uh, of course, it was reviewed, but correctly given out. Uh, he he also got patted our LBW as well to one that skidded on, and I think that. But those two wickets were a good examples of why Bashir was successful because a he was very accurate. He kept his line and length under admirable control. Never bowled a short ball, uh, never bowled a full toss. You know, it just kept his consistency excellent. But also he varied his pace a tiny bit. Uh, and uh, well, I say a tiny bit. Actually, he varied his pace between seventy-nine kilometres and about ninety-six. So quite a big range, really, with no discernible difference in his action at all. And the one that got uh, Shubman Gill was slightly fuller and and turned and, and beat the the forward prod. And then the one that got patted, I was a little tiny bit shorter but quicker, and beat him on the back foot uh, to get him LBW. So you know, very good, just subtle variations. Uh, and without any kind of obvious sign that there were those variations, you know, enough spin as well. It just a, an all-round excellent package, and he deserved his four wickets undoubtedly. Yeah, and a lot of umpires calling uh, going on as well. So I talked about the, the folks' low catch, but today three umpires calls went in England's favour. Gill, Patty Dart, and the later on uh, Ashwin against Hartley. So, you know, a good day for England's spinners. Uh, should we be surprised that they're doing what they're doing? And Tom Hartley, 17 wickets in the series. That's as, as many as Bummer has taken in the series so far, because Bummer's not playing in this match. Bashir picked up four wickets in his other test match, four for 196 in his, his first test. Sort of okay-ish sort of figures. Uh, yeah, a bit of tap yeah, there really, in the, especially in the in the first innings. But he's picked up four today, four for eighty-four. But he's twenty years of age. He's barely played a first-class match. These are his best figures in his very short first-class career. I mean, it's, it's a remarkable story. I mean, there've been a few remarkable stories in this game. You've alluded to them. Some of the Indian players coming through. You know, the likes of Jaiswal and Deep. I mean, Bashir's story is, in a way, is is just as remarkable, especially for, uh, you think for an England spinner. No, I, I, I think it asks a lot of questions. It challenges county cricket, actually, for its talent recognition. And I've felt this a lot before, actually. I've seen other players who I've thought look really talented either not get picked up or their talent uh, allowed to wane. I've seen that through my entire life in cricket, really. And I just I find it astounding that, A, Bashir was rejected by Surrey and then ended up in minor county cricket before Somerset uh, clairvoyantly saw the potential in a second-team game and gave him a chance. And I just can't believe that people didn't see his his uh, ability before because he's got a raw material. He's, hard, he's tall. He may have grown 
a fair bit, I suppose, in the last couple of years. But certainly his height is a big asset. He's got a nice, simple, smooth run-up. He's got a good delivery. He's he's He understands the game pretty well, I think. You can see from his... I mean, I know, we, we know from talking to the, his coaches from when he was 12, 13, 14... Sid, uh, Sid from the Rajasthan Royals Academy has talked about seeing him come through then and, and seeing his, uh, his potential. Why has he not been taken on by a county or kept by a county uh, when he was 16 or 17? I just, it, I just find it astonishing that he wasn't given the opportunity earlier. Uh, and, and with Hartley, you know, I was speaking to someone from Lancashire the other day, actually, who said, you know, he had a difficult season he's done all right in white ball but he had a difficult season last year in red ball uh you know why isn't somebody helping him and this year of course Lancashire have announced their overseas signing which is Nathan Lyon which will mean Hartley might not play in quite a lot of the Lancashire red ball games because they'll probably only play one spinner so our development and recognition of young spinners leaves a lot to be desired mm. I suppose part of the problem yours is the pitches they play on. I mean, if you're playing on these surfaces in India, they are going to encourage you, aren't they? They're going to teach you how to bowl on on pitches where you're expected to be the main person. I mean, you know, Graham Swan's talked about this in the past. Phil Tufnell's talked about this in the past. You know, that I mean, Graham Swan loved it, didn't he? When he had a surface to bowl on, try and win the game, that was his moment. He, you know, he absolutely he loved that. But sometimes it builds pressure on on players, and they have to come up with the goods because when you're playing in in England there aren't generally speaking aren't many surfaces that really do encourage spinners like the ones we're seeing in India so you know the figures inevitably are going to be pretty ordinary aren't they because but the, the, we, it's a it's an old saw isn't it that yeah. how much championship it cricket is played at the, at the driest part yeah. of the, of the no, summer it, it is an old saw although I'm mean, actually I, I think the the view and this is we had uh, we had Joe Leach the Worcestershire fast bowler seam bowler on our uh, virtual cricket club a couple of weeks ago and he was saying interestingly that the uh, general impression that county pitches are only seamer friendly in April is a myth and actually that some of the best pitches that they play on are in April because the grounds staff have had so much time to prepare them all winter in other words and they haven't been run about on or anything and actually that th- th- those pitches and quite often we have a dry spell it's with the monsoon we're experiencing at the moment it's hard to believe we g- you get dry spells in april but quite often april is dry if a little bit cold and actually you know joe and i've heard other county cricketers say this before some of the pitches and you actually look at the scores as well some of the scores in april are quite high uh, total wise so I think it's a bit of a myth to think that spinners can't play in April I think we should be encouraging them to play more mm. but the pitches are probably very flat aren't they I mean you sort of talk about the high scores they're probably pretty flat which is flat. why you want spinners uh, absolutely but this this pit these pitches in India they encourage the spinners because there's some spin there as well and when clubs are produced spinning pitches i.e. Somerset i.e. Northampton you know, people say, oh, you know, these these pitches are spinning too much. You know, and Somerset were sort of chastised uh, for, for mm. you know for cider a bad, weren't they? But actually, that whole point about you know if the pitch is spinning, then you, you know the pressure is on your spinner to win you the game, and so you actually learn you, know, you learn that skill as well, don't you? It's, again, going back to what Graham Swan has talked about, I suppose it's getting it's getting the balance right, isn't it, between having a you know a horrendous pitch where the ball is just spinning square and spitting going over the wicketkeeper's head. It's that balance, isn't it, between getting a pitch so that spinners are in the game and you know, can win you a match and that that's that's the challenge mm. i suppose and and have more more pitches like that or have grounds where that is the 
sort of modus operandi really that is the that is the sort of signature of that particular ground what i'm noticing as well with with tom hartley and and bashir to a lesser extent is is their understanding of um how to bowl on a particular pitch so i made the point in that first test match when tom hartley was was making his test debut that he bowled from very wide of the crease and that made it easier for the indian batsman to milk him because of the angle he was offering but he then watched uh, Jadeja and how he operates and how he bowls much closer to the stumps and varies his position but bowls much closer to the stumps giving him a more wicket to wicket trajectory and I've noticed Hartley in, in this test match for instance is varying his position so he bowls from closer to the stumps generally but when the, once he saw there was some spin he went wider on the crease which en- enabled the ball to more dramatically move uh, so he was angling it in from wide and then turning it back from leg stump, middle and leg stumps. And that's how he got, uh, partly how he got Ravi Ashwin out because he managed to get the ball to turn from about leg stump and still threaten the stumps from slightly wide on the crease. So, you know, you can see both these bowlers and I think they've probably had the benefit of working with Graham Swan in the Lions because, of course, he was out there with them before this test series to you know, use those little tiny subtle variations to extend, you know, their influence. Mm. Just a couple, two or three more points. You know, one about county cricket, and I'll I'll move away from that now after this point, is that who are the county champions, Yoz? Surrey. Surrey. Look at their attack last summer. We we saw them play a few times, didn't we? What I mean, five, five mm. excellent seam bowlers. And they play to the conditions, don't they? They play to the conditions that they find and they're extremely successful. Not a huge amount of room for spin. The other point I wanted to make as well was about Safraz coming in in his, his second test match, his third innings. Last game, batting without as much pressure. This time, batting under pressure. It's a very different game, isn't it? With, with, the, with the spinners holding sway and he didn't know whether to stick or twist. Eventually, nicked a slip for... 14 so the, the you, you can have a lot of quality as a player and he does but it's the game situation has such an impact on how you can play and, and what you can come up with actually that was a good piece of uh, field setting as well by Stokes there wasn't he who I mean again Stokes was so to the fore with his field settings perhaps a little bit at the end of the day uh, relax the pressure but I like the way he tried to encourage Safraz to, to push through the offside push the man back left a gap, he went for the drive, got the nick, caught by Joe Root at slip. What a turnaround for Joe Root. You know, 100, having failed in the previous three tests, and also taking the catches at slip. Took a good catch there at slip to his left, diving down low to his left. I still think he's standing too wide, because there was another chance which eluded both him and Ben Folks and went between them. The last thing you want to see is the edge going to Joe Root's left and, you know, unimpeded. You want at least the slip fielder to have some chance. So I think he should stand still a little uh, tighter to the stumps than he is. But <laughs> it's incredible. You know, these things... And, and actually, we, we talked about England being a bit unlucky with some of those marginal umpires call LBWs in the last test and it going against them. Well, this test, they've had several marginal LBW calls go with them. You know, one or two of those LBWs today were just clipping, but because the umpire had given it out, the, the decision was upheld. So these things do go in cycles.
enough, just enough, I think. 350, good, you know, good score. Could have been more, good score. And India are now feeling the pressure. If India had won the toss, then we might be looking at, you know, a very different test match. I think we almost certainly would. But then you, you could also say, well, India won two tosses in the series. England have won two tosses. That sort of, you know, actually so over the course of a series, actually feels about right. So India have still got Kuldeep there, who's got a first-class 100, who's battling away. Jarrell has, has played nicely and resisting. As Akash Deep to come in his first test match. I did have a quick look at his batting prowess. He's not the worst, actually. He batted at nine against the Lions and made 31 in one innings. He does have a first-class half-century. And then there's Siraj to come. So, you know, India might be able to cobble together a, a few more. The new ball is is seven overs away. It's definitely worth uh, being up tomorrow morning to watch the progress of the third day. Because you, you feel the third day is probably going to sort of settle the game, isn't it? Who, whoever wins the third day might well go on to win the Test match. Well, if England win the third day, I think they will go on to win the the Test match. If India with it, win it, then we could be in for an absolute belter, uh, you, know, right, you know, right at the end of this Test match. Yeah, well, that's it for today then. And uh, just one point, uh, if you like this podcast, please like, follow and subscribe and you'll get it sent automatically to whatever device you listen to us on our show. Just a mention of our sister podcast, Storyline. Uh, they've uh, got the latest episode out and it's actually quite a funny Practicing, having seen England play it and the Baz Ballers, uh, they tried to practice it in the nets themselves in their county net practice sessions indoors and uh, with some rather painful consequences. What's uh, wrong with the funny, extra cover uh, drive, yours or the clip through mid wicket? What's wrong with that? <laughs> it's not trendy, mate. It's not trendy. And also, it's it's, t- it's tougher, it's harder physically to hit those shots, isn't it? Extra cover drives. The the ramp shot, you don't need any physical power at all. You just need good timing, good placement, good positioning. Uh, but woe betide if you get your face in the way. That's all I'm going to say. So check out Storylines, uh, which is the women's cricket show podcast. The latest episode is out. Now, we'll be back tomorrow to review the third day's play. Thanks for listening and speak to you tomorrow. Yep, can't wait. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.